Congratulations, the healthy people are paying for the sick people. Yeah, that's how insurance works, you Fox News moron. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something right. He just figured it out. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. Insurance. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Jeez. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 92.9 FM WLRI, in Maui, Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU. Columbus, Ohio's WGRN 94.1 FM, Palinville, New York's 102.9 FM WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR, 105.5 FM in Washington, D.C., hello, and AM 950 KTNF in Minneapolis, St. Paul. We're also heard streaming coast-to-coast and around the globe every day of the week on the internets on the Progressive Voices channel. Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Deprogrammed Radio, Detour Talk, and Radio Sputnik. Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. If I'm a little... Uh, woozy, if I'm a little confused, more than normal, it's just because, well, you know what? It was a late night on Thursday night for some odd reason in the nation's capital. Why is that? We'll was get something to that. happening? Well, maybe. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. Um, that was, of course, Desi Doyen. Uh, you, Desi, will be back with a Green News report later yep. on. Perhaps the least insane thing we will cover today. <laughs> Though, as usual, it's uh, probably the most disturbing as well. Well, uh, you know. But we do have a few good news items in the Green News Report today, I think, so we can look forward to that. Uh, you know, believe it or not, uh, we put some thought into this show every day. A little. Day, a little. <laughs> uh, in truth, I spend quite a bit of time uh, trying to make sure that we're accurate and that we are fair in our coverage. Yes, I do have my points of view, but I try to present them fairly and make sure that I'm uh, giving the electorate the best information that they need to do their jobs as voters. Sometimes of late, I've, I've had to sort of pinch myself to make sure that what's going on here is actually as insane as it is, that I'm not overinflating what is going on in D.C., as with Thursday's admittedly somewhat breathless coverage. Uh, of an insane number of food fights and disarray and chaos that was going on uh, between Republicans in Congress and those inside the Trump administration and the White House and several insane combinations thereof. So it was with some comfort after we got off the air Thursday night, after that crazy show, um, that I saw the opening to that night's CBS Evening News to confirm that, no, it's not just me. Things actually really, in truth, in reality, uh, really are this insane in Washington, D.C. right now. Here's how the CBS Evening News led off on Thursday night. 
Not since British troops paid a visit in 1814 has the White House had so many fires to put out. The president is feuding with the attorney general. Congressional Republicans are up in arms about it. The communications director is going at it with the chief of staff over leaks. Health care is on the critical list. And the Boy Scouts felt it necessary to apologize for an appearance by the commander in chief. <laughs> So you see, it wasn't just me. I wasn't making it up. Nope. Not for, you know, our nope, reading purposes. This is really, purposes. really happening. This is really happening. Uh, Ezra Klein from Vox.com had tweeted uh, as this uh, process on Thursday in the in the U.S. Senate to try to pass some sort of health care reform was ongoing. Uh, Ezra tweeted, I honestly don't know how to convey how crazy this process or legislation is. There is no analog to it in modern politics. Talking about the way this uh, the, the, the bill that was finally voted on in the wee hours on Thursday night, Friday morning, came about. Nira Tandon, Center for American Progress, tweeted in reply, I have seen nothing like it in my lifetime. And Norm Ornstein of the conservative American Enterprise Institute responded to both of them to say, I am older than you. Nothing like this ever. So more on that in a minute, the uh, what was going on in the Senate. But keep in mind that that opening from CBS Evening News uh, talking about not since the British troops burnt down the White House in 1814, uh, that opening was all before the phone call between White House Communications Director Anthony Scaramucci and The New Yorker's Ryan Lizza was published later in the day. It was an astonishing, gobsmacking, profanity-laced tirade from a White House communications director in which he essentially declared war against the White House chief of staff and one of the president's most senior advisors. If you didn't see this, uh, we'll just give you some of it. Anthony Scaramucci went on the offensive, calling White House adversary Reince Priebus schizophrenic, threatening to fire his entire communications staff, hurled invectives at um, supposed leakers within the administration after Ryan Liz of The New Yorker tweeted, uh, citing, quote, a senior White House official that Scaramucci was having dinner at the White House with President Trump, the first lady, Fox News's Sean Hannity and former now disgraced Fox News executive Bill Shine. The tweets prompted a furious Scaramucci to call Ryan Lizza and go on a tirade against administrative uh, administration officials who he believes are responsible for leaking information about the dinner and also his publicly available financial disclosures that were also leaked. They are publicly available, so they weren't actually, you know, leaked. They were obtained. A minor detail. Legally. <laughs> Scaramucci threatened to fire his staff when Lizza refused to reveal his source. What I'm going to do, I will eliminate everyone in the comms team, communication team, and we'll start over, Scaramucci said. Okay, I'm going to fire every one of them, and then you haven't protected anybody, so the entire place will be fired over the next two weeks, Scaramucci said after he failed to persuade Lizza to speak up. They'll all be fired by me, he said. I fired one guy the other day. I'll have uh, three to four people I'll fire tomorrow, he said. He's trying to convince a journalist to give up his sources. This is he heads the White House communications team, or at least he will. He's not even officially in the office yet. 
and he doesn't understand how journalism works. You don't give up a source like that because some guy asks you and threatens to, if you don't tell me, the whole staff gets it. I mean, uh, and this was, of course, the the nicer part of the call. Uh, Incensed, Scaramucci blew through uh, adversaries, uh, disclosed that he believed Priebus, the chief of staff, was worried about the dinner with Hannity and the and Shine because he hadn't been invited to it. Reince is effing paranoid, schizophrenic, or par- a paranoiac, Scaramucci said. He imitated Priebus, saying, Oh, Bill Shine is coming in. Let me leak the effing thing and see if I can blank block these people, uh, these people the way I blank blocked Scaramucci for six months. He didn't say effing and he didn't say blank, but you get the idea. You can fill in those blanks. Scaramucci launched attacks on other adversaries, including Trump's chief strategist, Steve Bannon, saying, I'm not Steve Bannon. I'm not trying to suck my own blank. This is the president's uh, top uh, strategist, political strategist that he's going after here in those comments. He said, I'm not trying to build my own brand off the effing strength of the president. I'm here to serve the country. I think he's uh, actually very much trying to build his own brand off the strength of the president. What little strength there is uh, that the president has at this point. Otherwise, he would shut up because he doesn't seem to be helping the president or the country, in my opinion. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. He said, what I want to do is effing kill all the leakers and I want to get the president's agenda on track so we can succeed for the American people. And all of this, by the way, is apparently on tape. Scaramucci said he suspected Priebus of the uh, of the leaks. He also accused him of, of leaking his uh, fi- uh, the leaks about the dinner with Sean Hannity. I guess that's a super state secret uh, and accused him of leaking his financial disclosures. Um, it, it just it's just sort of breathtaking. Uh, you know, it's yes, it's palace intrigue. It's, you know, politics. But it's also unprecedented. It, I mean, it, this is unprecedented for, staff, for someone yeah. who's supposed to be representing the president, supposed to be representing the White House. Um, this is really this is this is bizarre. Remember, uh, he's, as I said, not even been in office for a week and he's not actually officially even in office yet. He's not supposed to start for a few weeks officially. So I don't think I was overblowing my description yesterday of things in D.C. as being utter and unprecedented chaos, even though we didn't talk about this part of the story. Much of this had not yet broken. Uh, White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders declined to offer further comment, uh, saying the staff was focused on health care and other issues uh, rather than, uh, you know, whether her boss in this case, Scaramucci, was nuts, basically. Uh, and whether her old boss, Sean Spicer and uh, Reince Priebus, were absolutely right when they fought like hell to keep that guy from being hired at the White House at all. Sean Spicer is uh, suddenly looking pretty good right now. Uh, I bet he is, <laughs> which is laughing. Who would have thought that is possible? Uh, speaking of working on health care, uh, it seems the White House did not work hard enough on it, or maybe uh, maybe they worked too hard. Maybe it was those threats against senators and their states uh, that they made that wasn't such a, you know, smart. Not maybe not the smartest way to get them to agree with your point of view is by threatening to withhold all sorts of things from the states. That did not work. 
Um, but before, oh shoot, I forgot to, before we get to this, yes, Reince Priebus, speaking of. Oh yes. Yeah. There's that. Little, yeah, it just broke just before air here. Rather than the president firing Scaramucci for this insane profanity-laced tirade, or just, you know, canceling hiring him altogether, instead, he fired Reince Priebus, the, uh, establishment Republican turned loyalist to President Trump, who served as his White House chief of staff for the last six months, says the New York Times was pushed out on Friday in the latest convulsion in a chaos-wracked West Wing to which he had repeatedly failed to bring some semblance of order. Convinced that uh, Priebus was not strong enough, Trump has been talking about bringing in a general as chief of staff, and it appears he has chosen John F. Kelly, the retired Marine four-star general who is currently serving as Secretary of Homeland Security. So I guess we got to look for a new uh, Secretary of Homeland Security. Those confirmation hearings ought to be fun. I'm sure they'll go smoothly. Uh, And I'm sure he'll have no problem finding someone who wants to take that job. Uh, Some of Trump's advisors, says the Times, oppose the idea of putting Kelly in, arguing that Trump needs someone more in tune with the nationalist political movement that helped propel Trump to the White House. Priebus, uh, of course, the former chair of the RNC, lost his job just hours after the president's signature drive to repeal his predecessor's health care program collapsed on the Senate floor and a day after that ugly feud with the new communications director erupted in a public airing of the deep animosities plaguing the White House. Yeah, and, you know, just like Jeff Sessions, if you tie your future to Donald Trump, you will be dragged through the mud and lose the rest of your career. Yeah, things don't seem to turn out well. But speaking of health care, so remember when Donald Trump said this during the campaign last year? My first day in office, I'm going to ask Congress to put a bill on my desk getting rid of this disastrous law and replacing it with reforms that expand choice, freedom, affordability. You're going to have such great health care at a tiny fraction of the cost, and it's going to be so easy. So easy. So easy. Great health care, fraction of the cost. Well, not so easy after all. Hey, who knew healthcare was so complicated? Uh, of course, it is not just crazy Donald Trump who lied and misled his supporters over all of this. Uh, here's Mitch McConnell. This massive piece of legislation that seeks to restructure one-sixth of our economy is being written behind closed doors without input from anyone in an effort to jam it past the, not only the Senate, but the American people. Oh, yeah, it's my mistake there. That was Mitch McConnell uh, back in 2009. Oh, yeah, my, yeah. He went on to uh, say that if the people who wrote this bill were proud of it, they wouldn't be forcing this vote in the dead of the night. Well, guess what happened last night in the dead of night? Uh, it was an insanely hectic and chaotic day all day long in the U.S. Senate on Thursday. An incredibly dramatic night as the Republican leadership's final effort, at least for now, to repeal and or replace the Affordable Care Act went down in incredibly dramatic and uh, suspenseful flames uh, on the Senate floor in a the stunning vote, a stunning self-inflicted defeat for Republicans well after midnight. After their attempts throughout the week to repeal and replace and then just repeal and delay without a replacement, 
had all been defeated by Republicans themselves, they scrambled to slap together what they called this skinny repeal to uh, repeal just a couple of provisions of Obamacare, like the mandate requiring you to have health care, and then voted on it just two hours later. The Congressional Budget Office, God bless them, were able to come out with an assessment uh, during that short period of time of what the plan would actually cost in both dollars and health care coverage to the American people had it been passed. The CBO said that uh, skinny repeal would have cost um, would, would cause there to be some 15 million more uninsured people by 2026. And they also said that insurance premiums would be 20 percent higher under that GOP bill than they currently are under the Affordable Care Act. So remember all that nonsense about premiums skyrocketing? They were actually voting to make them skyrocket by 20% in the Senate on Thursday night. And before they took the vote, they were talking about how premiums have skyrocketed under uh, Obamacare. Uh, And, of course, uh, the provisions in the skinny repeal would have not just made uh, premiums skyrocket, but would have completely destabilized the insurance markets because you wouldn't have been able to buy insurance. You would have been able to wait to buy insurance until you get sick because it removed those penalties for not buying insurance while still requiring insurance companies to sell everyone insurance regardless of any pre-existing conditions which is apparently something the people on Fox News just don't seem to understand, that Brian Kilmeade knucklehead. Yeah, he has no idea. Oh, the healthy people are going to pay for the sick people. Yes, that is how how insurance works. works. That's how it has always worked. So after seven years, seven years of campaigning on replacing the Affordable Care Act, the Republicans wrote this bill literally over lunch. On Thursday, they posted it at 10 p.m. and then they scheduled a vote for it at midnight, just two hours later. No public committee hearings, no expert testimony on the effects, no Democratic Party input. That goes without saying. And against the wishes, just about every healthcare professional or advocacy group in the country. And like all of the other attempts by the Republican majority U.S. Senate, Uh, Even though Republicans maneuvered to ensure that they would only have to get 50 votes, just 50 votes for passage. There's 52 Republicans plus Vice President Mike Pence in the Senate to help break the tie. Um, Just like all the other attempts, uh, you know, they couldn't get the 50 votes instead of the 60 that would normally be required to overcome a filibuster for most legislation. Um, It was dramatic fashion late on Thursday night, Friday morning, when all of this went down. Uh, They started the week with three repeal, Obamacare repeal options, repeal and replace, repeal only, and then the skinny repeal, and they all went down. Republicans failed to get a majority vote on their own seven-year quest on any of those options. Uh, days. Uh, the, the, it was a dramatic coda, frankly, to an exhausting and unprecedented uh, chaos of a week in D.C. After being diagnosed with brain cancer, John McCain, Republican from Arizona, announced he would travel more than 2,000 miles to Washington. Remember, that's how the week started. And uh, gave the much needed GOP vote to open debate for this whole thing. 
He was denounced by uh, liberals for endorsing the very partisan process that he excoriated in his speech when he returned. But he signaled earlier in the week that he was no fan of repeal. He joined with moderates to oppose a, a, a bill earlier in the week to repeal large pieces of Obamacare without a replacement. But he did cast a vote in support of the repeal and replace plan. But in the early hours of Friday morning, as Politico reports, the Arizona Republican, as well as Senators Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins of Maine, dealt the fatal punch to the GOP's seven-year campaign promise to shred Obamacare. And now he's become a hero, at least to some Democrats, uh, for essentially casting the vote that saved Obamacare for now. Throughout much of Thursday, uh, senators had no idea what McCain was going to do. Uh, he uh, Many entered the chamber for that vote late last night at midnight, not knowing what was going to happen. Senator Bill Cassidy of Louisiana said, I thought he was a yes and had been told he was a yes when I came to the floor. So when I came down here and there were still issues, I, for whatever reason, thought they might be resolved. But... Um, as the uh, vote right before it, a procedural vote put up by Democrats, as that was held open for at least an hour, it became quite clear there was some serious problems here. Something was going on on the Senate floor. They appeared to not have the votes uh, before. And then they finally, about an hour or so later, opened the uh, opened the vote on this skinny repeal Um. But it was still not known how McCain was going to vote. As he walked to the Senate floor, McCain said he'd made his decision, but he had given no indication of how he would vote. He told reporters, quote, watch the show. Once on the floor, it became even clearer that McCain was preparing to vote down the skinny repeal. Uh, McCain's colleagues from Arizona, Jeff Flake, and we were all watching this on C-SPAN last night, trying to read those tea leaves. Arizona Senator Jeff Flake, who, by the way, is up for re-election in 2018, uh, he voted in favor of this skinny repeal that would have taken away health care from 15 million and sent uh, premiums skyrocketing. Jeff Flake uh, first went over to chat with McCain. That didn't work. Mike Pence tried to win McCain's support on the floor, spoke with him for about 20 minutes. Uh, and uh, then as the Senate waited for the vote to take place, McCain walked off the floor to take a call from Donald Trump, according to Politico. Even Donald Trump was trying to get him. Susan Collins of Maine, Lisa Murkowski of uh, Arkansas, they had already gone ahead and cast their Alaska. vote. What did I say? Arkansas. Arkansas. <laughs> Alaska had already cast their vote against the bill, and then McCain strode back into the Senate to reveal his final decision, walked over to the Senate clerk, uh, not far from Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, and he gave the thumbs down. He voted no, and the uh, there was an audible gasp in the room the Democrats started to applaud. Chuck Schumer, minority leader, stood up and waved him off, said, no, they could still change no their bloating, mind. Yeah, no right. bloating. Uh, and then it was done. Uh, it was uh, McCain was the decisive vote here. Uh, and he released a statement echoing the concerns he had laid out in his speech, slamming the Senate's rushed process to repeal Obamacare, calling on the Senate to consider repeal and replace through a regular committee process. Uh, but that he he was not convinced that House Speaker Paul Ryan would actually have hold a committee uh, hearing 
to in conference so that they could uh, exactly. reconcile the two bills. Yeah, because yeah, once the House it, Act and this. Yeah, once it passes the Senate, it becomes live, and they have no control over it. And that was the uh, that was the concern that, that you was, could not trust the House Republicans not to go ahead and vote it through. and just pass it as is. Yep. They were passing a bill in the U.S. Senate that pretty much I think. Everybody, even the Republicans who voted for it, did not want to see become law. Which is insane. They knew it would be a disaster. They knew it was a death spiral for uh, uh, the insurance market. And so they they said, we just have to pass something. Let's get something and we'll work this out later. We'll punt it. We'll kick the can down the road, work it out with the House. And they couldn't even trust that the House would uh, work this out with them. That they thought... The House might just pass the skinny repeal as well. So uh, McCain voted no. Unbelievable, unbelievable drama. And kind of funny that, of course, Murkowski, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, Susan Collins of Maine, they held steady. They held the line this entire time. They were absolutely consistent. But McCain, Mr. Drama McCain, wait until the last minute, telling reporters, wait for the show. He's the one that's getting all the credit today. How typical is that? (laughs) <laughs> You're right. They deserve the credit, as do the people who yes, uh, held, yes, held the line on this, who held protests, who called their senators. Like I say, this this may not be. It's over for now. That I think we can breathe uh, for a few days at least. But uh, don't misunderestimate the uh, Republicans interest in doing something about this somehow, somewhere. Yeah, it's something that we were discussing last night, which is that like Medicaid, like Medicare, like Social Security, Republicans have been working for decades to dismantle these social programs. So I think we can probably put Obamacare on that list oh, yeah. as well. Oh, yeah. If we're going to still... fight this every single year from here on out. This is, is it the 50th anniversary of, it was the of fifth, Medicare? The 52nd. 50 yeah, this 52nd. is what's yeah. so ironic about that, though. They pushed the vote into Friday morning. That was literally the 52nd anniversary of the day that Medicaid and Medicare were signed into law. And they still want to kill Medicare and Medicaid, as we saw with this process and Social Security. So, yes, the fight against the Affordable Care Act will continue. Conservatives, uh, people who call themselves conservative anyway, uh, conservative right wing pundits were melting down after the uh, uh, dramatic failure on Thursday night, Friday morning, after the uh, Senate failed to pass that bare-bones bill to uh, to gut Obamacare. Um, they, a former Republican presidential candidate and Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee, father of uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the White House spokesman, uh, he was so incensed with the three senators who voted down the bill, he suggested changing the way senators are elected entirely. <laughs> He tweeted, time to repeal the 17th Amendment. Founders had it right. Senators chosen by state legislature will work for their states and respect the 10th Amendment. So um, he wants (laughs) because they didn't vote his way. We have to change the entire system. Don't underestimate the move towards that either by Republicans. Fox News knucklehead Eric Bowling also called for the ouster of the three Republicans who killed the bill. He called them rhinos or three Senate stooges, calling uh, John McCain a stooge. Three GOP rhinos fail America again. Time to elect real conservatives. Hashtag MAGA will prevail. Make America great again, if you don't know that. Uh, Right-wing radio host Dana Lesh 
uh, who, who put out that NRA video essentially calling for war uh, a couple of uh, weeks ago. She took the failed vote as a sign that the, quote, pathetic GOP will never repeal Obamacare. There will be no repeal. Too many GOP actually want it. Pathetic. Yes, they like access to reasonably affordable and comprehensive health care. The horror. That can't be denied to them on the whim by a, a private insurance company. So, yes, pathetic. Uh, Lisa, uh, well, uh, let's see. Uh, others lashed out specifically at McCain, to, to your point here. Um, not only were they lauding McCain, they were also pointing the, the finger at him, blaming him for this. Laura Ingram, right-wing Radio Blowhard said it would have been refreshing if McConnell, after Obamacare's loss, simply said, John McCain is a complete and total jerk. (laughs) That would have helped. That would have made her feel better. Uh, Guy Benson, uh, this uh, dude from Fox, said, sorry, Arizonans disproportionately suffering under Obamacare's failure. Your senator has other priorities, despite what he told you disproportionately suffering in Arizona. The suffering uh, that would have been much worse uh, would have been had they passed that skinny repeal, costing $15 million to lose their insurance, premiums actually skyrocketing, or even the House version. Had that passed, $22 million would have lost their coverage. Later on Friday, the conservative group FreedomWorks issued a statement blasting the three Republicans who voted down skinny repeal, calling them frauds who won't keep their promise to repeal Obamacare now that there's a Republican in the White House. They called it a slap in the face to every conservative who has been promised that Republicans would repeal Obamacare. FreedomWorks said in, uh, in a statement, the Republican Party has been all about Obamacare repeal for the better part of a decade, and now we see that they have been writing checks to voters that they knew the Bank of Obama wouldn't cash. I think it might be more accurate to say that the Republican Party and its groups like FreedomWorks have actually been cashing checks from Republican voters that they have played for suckers for years, literally cashing checks for promises they knew they would never be able to keep. More on that in a moment. There are also calls today from some Republicans in the House uh, for uh, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell to step down. It's uh, true that he is a great leader of the minority when the Republicans are in the minority. Uh, If not, when they are in the majority, though, those saying he's uh, ineffective forgot that he he actually stole a Supreme Court majority for Republicans. That will last a generation. They're so ungrateful. I know. Ungrateful bastards, aren't they? (laughs) Uh, Republican uh, Senator Ted Cruz, one more here and we'll get to a break, uh, 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 kept the uh, long con, and it has been a long con going, uh, in his remarks, even after all of their own measures, all of the Republicans' own measures, including his own, went down in flames in the U.S. Senate this week. And, you know, there are going to be a great many Americans who tonight feel a sense of betrayal feel a sense of betrayal that politicians stood up and made a promise. I'll tell you this, if you stand up and campaign and say we're going to repeal Obamacare and you vote for Obamacare, those are not consistent. And the American people are entirely justified in saying any politician who told me that and voted the other way didn't tell me the truth. They lied to me. The losers tonight 
are the millions of Americans who've been hurt under Obamacare, the millions of Americans who've lost their jobs, who've been forced into part-time work, forced no. to work 28, 29 hours a week, the millions of Americans who've had their health insurance canceled, no. who've no. lost their doctors, who've seen their premiums skyrocket. Nope. Premiums or uh, health care costs have, have been uh, going rising up at a, uh, a record low rate since the passage of Obamacare. Uh, just one lie after skyrocketing uh, premiums, just nonsense, um, just utter nonsense. But that's part of the con. And it is a long con. It is a seven year con that will continue uh, as the Republican Party and guys like Ted Cruz continue to play their voters for idiots. But, hey, you know what? Go ahead. Listen to Ted Cruz and uh, go ahead. Vote him out. Vote out those bastards who didn't vote uh, to kill Obamacare if you want. That's what democracy is about. Um, Lisa Murkowski, she's not up for another six years. Um, but anyway, that's what democracy is about. Uh, but it also requires people to tell the truth and not uh, play their voters for morons, which Republicans are. We'll have that in a minute. And by the way, so are Democrats. We'll get to that in a second. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. <laughs> Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. We rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. And in the morning when I rise Everything's going to be all right. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. So, uh, yes, as I was saying, uh, Republicans uh, treat their own voters like idiots, like morons. They lie to them. Uh, Democrats, I'm going to get to them in a second. Um, not not quite to the same egregious degree, but we'll get to that in, in a second. Earlier in the week, um, Paul Waldman over at Washington Post, I think this was, yeah, over at the uh, uh, Wonk blog at Washington Post, uh, cited an interview with um, Elena Plott of Washington Washingtonian Magazine, interviewing Eric Cantor, the former House Majority Leader who was defeated in a primary in 2014 by a Tea Party extremist. And he says this helps explain that uh, Republicans knew they were lying. Republican candidates, guys like Ted Cruz, who is not stupid, knew that they were lying to their base about their ability to repeal the Affordable Care Act for years, but they just could not help themselves. Uh, Cantor said to, to give the impression that if Republicans were in control of the House and Senate, that we could do that, uh, overturn the Affordable Care Act, repeal it. Uh, when Obama was still in office, his voice trails off. He shakes his head. I never believed it. He says he wasn't the only one aware of the charade. We sort of all got what was going on, that there was this disconnect in terms of communication because no one wanted to take the time out in the general public to even think about, wait a minute, that can't happen. In other words, even if you give us the majority and we pass these bills to repeal Obamacare, it's not like the president is going to sign it. 
Uh, Cantor adds, uh, but if you've got that anger working for you, you're going to let it be. It's a stunning admission from a former member of the party leadership that the linchpin of GOP electoral strategy for the better part of a decade was a fantasy, a flame continually fanned solely because when it came to midterm elections, it worked. Waldman goes on to say what's truly remarkable here isn't that a bunch of cynical politicians thought they could ride their base voters anger into control of Congress by lying to them about what they could actually accomplish. It's that their voters actually believed it. And then those voters got even angrier when it turned out that the president had the ability to veto bills that were passed by a Congress controlled by the other party. Who knew, says Waldman. (laughs) But instead of looking for a presidential candidate who would treat them like adults, instead they elected Donald Trump, a man who would pander to their gullibility even more, as we played in that clip earlier Donald Trump telling them how easy it's going to be to just, you know, change everything. Make sure you get better health care, a cheaper price. It's easy. Waldman says that brings us to where we are today. Republicans could not be bothered for seven years to actually think about what repealing and replacing the ACA might involve. They thought it would be enough to tell their voters to just get mad and worry about it later, what it would take to keep the promise that they made. So uh, this week, then, they found themselves with their uh, uh, bills that nearly everyone hated. And at the time, um, the vote hadn't happened yet. He writes, if it passes in whatever form, it will be a disaster for the health care system and will be a political disaster for them as well. But they're convinced that uh, the only thing worse politically would be to not pass anything because that would incur the wrath of those same base voters. In other words, Waldman writes, their current position is, we know how catastrophic this bill would be, but we got there by lying to these knuckle-dragging mouth-breathers for years, and if we don't follow through, they will punish us. They believe that their voters will say, okay, so I lost my health coverage because of you, but you'll get my vote again because you kept your promise. Waldman says, am I being unkind? Well, consider what the president is now up to at the moment. And he cites this, uh, uh, what he describes as a mind-numbingly stupid uh, comment that uh, Trump gave to one of his rallies over the past week. I think this was the one from Ohio, Youngstown, Ohio, uh, to this uh, big crowd of voters. He said, here in, the, here in the heart of the industrial Midwest, Trump promised to refill lost... He's talking about himself in third person. Trump promised to refill lost manufacturing jobs in factories or to rip them down and build new ones. That's what's going to happen, Trump said at a campaign rally in a packed hockey arena that holds 7,000 people. Trump said, they're all coming back. They're all coming back. They're coming back. Don't move. Don't sell your house. So uh, they're still playing playing these guys for suckers. It's all coming back. Don't worry. The factories are going to be here. Now, in fairness, Waldman adds, most people, uh, many people at least in the arena, even Republicans, understand it's all a complete crock. Yet they still show up at his rallies and cheer when he lies right in their faces. It's the best reality show ever. They apparently like being lied to. 
Oh, yeah. Or they are so incredibly dumb or, and I think this is the most likely part, they are so incredibly brainwashed by how many years of Fox News telling them even today, well, congratulations, now the, the healthy people are going to have to pay for the sick people. With healthcare, well, yes, that's how insurance works. So they're playing them for idiots. Um, but I promised I want to get to uh, uh, some Democrats here, not because I want to be balanced and even or whatever it is, because this is not an even uh, playing field. The, the Democrats have been, you know, fighting like hell to keep millions of Americans from losing their insurance. Uh, and maybe someday we'll be able to pressure those Democrats to actually give the American people the type of health care that they actually deserve. But in the meantime, for all of the Democrats uh, who are claiming that, you know, they they're they're concerned about the health of the American people. Well, let me start here. Uh, the, the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, today announced that it plans to begin lowering nicotine levels in cigarettes to levels considered non-addictive. And they, as they pegged uh, tobacco use to the, uh, quote, leading cause of preventable disease and death in the United States. And that is true. FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb said, quote, the overwhelming amount of death and disease attributable to tobacco is caused by addiction to cigarettes. The only legal consumer product that when used as intended will kill half of all long term users. So this is a huge thing. A huge uh, move, apparently, and one that uh, Axios here reports, or not actually Bloomberg here reports, could uh, uh, signal a death knell for the tobacco industry. Uh, I doubt that, but we'll see. Stocks dropped in uh, Philip Morris's parent company today by as much as 19% this morning. British American tobacco uh, stock plunged 11%. At the same time, the FDA rolled out a second major announcement uh, delaying for several years is regulation of cigars and, wait for it, e-cigarettes, including flavored vaping products. That is good news because you can't go out and say that cigarettes are, uh, are, are deadly, that tobacco is deadly, and then stop the thing that is helping people to quit smoking, which is vaping and e-cigarettes. And yet, the Democrats have been on a campaign, a tear, to make it difficult, if not impossible, for people to move to vaping. And once again, as I usually have to say, by way of full disclosure here, uh, I believe that vaping saved my life. After being a lifelong smoker, heavy smoker, I was able to switch like that overnight once I uh, found the right type of uh, 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 vape device to use. And I say this because half a million people a year die due to smoking related, not vaping related, smoking related causes. Half a million Americans. That's just America alone. And uh, for these Democrats who claim to be so concerned about health care to make it harder for people to uh, to quit smoking is, uh, oh, I would call it hypocritical. Is that a nice way to put it? And this we know uh, because, well, here's this other report out this week in uh, from AP, as they reported, people who used e-cigarettes were more likely to kick the habit than those who didn't, according to a new study. 
The U.S. research is the largest look yet at electronic cigarette users, and it found e-cigarettes played a role in helping people to quit. It is absolutely clear that e-cigarettes help smokers replace cigarettes, said Peter Hayjack, director of the Life and Lifestyle Research Unit at Queen Mary University in London, which was not a part of the study. Uh, and this is I've been trying to point this out and not because we're a health uh, show here. Uh, but because this is essentially uh, a miracle way to uh, help people stop smoking, which means that in America alone, you could save the lives of up to a half a million people a year. E-cigarettes have been sold in the U.S. since 2007, but they've become very popular in, uh, in, in very recent years. They, if you don't know, they heat liquid nicotine into vapor. And every study has found that they are, in fact, less dangerous alternatives since they don't contain all of the chemicals and tar that actually kill you with cigarettes. About two-thirds of e-cigarette users, 66%, tried to quit smoking, compared to just 40% of non-users, according to the study. Uh, e-cigarette uh, users were almost twice as likely to succeed in quitting as those who didn't, as those who used other devices, patches, and, and, and so forth. And remember the uh, British National Institute of Health, uh, their National mm -hmm. Health Service, they conducted a study as well. And that was a couple of years ago, and they said it was a 95% harm reduction from smoking cigarettes, are, in their estimation. They are begging people to advocate for the use of e-cigarettes. In Great Britain. We're a little slower here in the U.S. Um, this study was funded by the U.S. Uh, National Institutes of Health. Uh, the rate of people quitting smoking in the U.S. has pretty much remained steady at about four and a half percent for years. But it suddenly jumped for some reason in 2014 and 2015 to five point six percent. The rate of people quitting smoking. Correct. At the same time that e-cigarettes uh, vaping became popular. Uh, that level, however, of people quitting has uh, since uh, leveled off since there has been this campaign led by Democrats to get folks to stop using uh, e-cigarettes and passing laws all over the country to make it harder to do so. Um, this uh, vaping devices, Hayjack said, should should not be strictly regulated, but allowed to compete directly with cigarettes. That way, smokers can get what they want without killing themselves, he said. Chris Bullen, who offer, authored an accompanying editorial, said, although the long term safety of e-cigarettes is unclear, any ill effects are, quote, likely to be rare compared with the harms of continuing to smoke. The latest results strongly suggest that the more lenient control of e-cigarettes could improve population health, said Bolin, a professor of public health at the University of Auckland. He said, quote, if every smoker was to change over to e-cigarettes completely, there would be a dramatic and almost immediate public health benefit. Contrast that before we get to the break. We get your green news is coming up. Des, <laughs> don't worry. Uh, contrast that with what some of these Democrats are doing all over the country uh, in city councils. They did it out here. They started making it harder uh, uh, to use electronic cigarettes, telling people they had to go out and you know hang out with the smokers. Remember, they're trying to quit smoking. So yeah, go hang out with the smokers and enjoy your your you know odorless vape that would save your life. But San Francisco, a city run by Democrats, has gone farther still. 
uh, they approved an ordinance to ban the sales of flavored vaping liquid within the city borders. It would prohibit the sales of menthol cigarettes, which is fine uh, as far as I'm concerned, and other flavored uh, tobacco products. Uh, This will become effective in uh, April of 2018. Non-flavored tobacco products will still be allowed to be sold in the city under the new law, uh, but prohibited products would include all flavored cigarettes, good, flavored cigars, good, flavored smokeless tobacco, good, flavored shisha, and flavored nicotine solutions that are used in e-cigarettes. It's unclear, but apparently a tobacco-flavored e-liquid would still be allowed, even though that is, in fact, flavored liquid. The the tobacco flavor does not come naturally to nicotine liquid. Um, Ray Story, the CEO of Tobacco Vapor Electronic Cigarette Association, uh, an uh, industry association, thinks the new ordinance is extremely irresponsible. He agrees with uh, getting rid of vaping product flavors and packaging with cartoon characters. Um, But he believes that many smokers use e-cigarettes to transition away from harmful cigarettes. He considers vaping a form of harm reduction. And it is. I can tell you that firsthand. And I can tell you also that I would never go back to using cigarettes. I prefer the flavor is important to many of us who are trying to disassociate with the idea of tobacco. Um, So, you know, out here in liberal California, Democratic San Francisco and here in L.A., we're making it harder for people to stop smoking, even though we could save a half a million lives a year. So keep that in mind when the Democrats tell you they're worried about uh, millions losing their health care. Yes, I believe them. They are. But they ought to read some science and stop being science deniers when it comes to vaping. Speaking of science deniers, a quick break and we are back with the Green News Report and Desi Doyen. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com slash donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thanks. Welcome back to the broadcast, Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. I'm, uh, I'm sorry, I've been trying to get to that San Francisco story for a long time, <laughs> and I haven't been able to. And then the FDA moves today, uh, along with uh, the health care going down in uh, flames. The repeal of Obamacare gave me the excuse to do it. I wanted to just need to get that out there because you're being lied to people. They're putting these ads on TV that are just absolutely blatantly lying and misleading uh, to you. 
about something that could save your life if you're a smoker or your loved ones are. Anyway, all right, got it out of my system <laughs> for now. And now let's get to it. Our latest Green News Report. How much is sea level going to rise by the end of this century? U.S. Coast Guard planning for six feet of sea level rise by 2100. As the House Science Committee chairman pushes the myth that climate change will be, quote, beneficial. Rome may go to water rationing amid record drought. Plus, this trend could be a red flag for men's health overall. Environmental factors linked to serious decline in men's sperm counts. You're doing that story? Yes. Really? Yes. All of those stories and more straight ahead. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Donald Trump sees the presidency the same way he sees one of his companies. Its whole purpose is to serve him and only him. The same way he probably thinks the purpose of the energy department is to charge his iPhone. <laughs> like it's not. This is your Green News Report. Plug it in, Rick. Daddy's got a tweet. Okay, Desi Doyen, I'm waiting to find out, only sort of, how <laughs> sperm count has anything to do with green news. Oh, you're going to like this. Doubt it. An ominous new study finds that sperm counts have dropped by more than half in men living in industrialized Western nations. Fantastic. In a review of 185 studies covering tens of thousands of men since 1973, researchers documented men's sperm counts have declined 59%. Now, they did not see the same decline in Asian or African countries. The researchers suspect the decline is due to exposure to commonly used chemicals that are widespread in the West, like pesticides, lead, and chemicals used in plastics and fire retardants that are known to increase or decrease production of certain hormones. I think I deserve an award for the 10 or so snarky comments that I did not interrupt you with during that story. Admirable restraint. You're welcome. The Department of Energy has confirmed that a well-known Russian prankster posing as a Ukrainian energy official succeeded in fooling Energy Secretary Rick Perry into participating in a pretty straightforward 20-minute phone call in which Perry defended President Trump's plan to withdraw from the historic Paris Climate Agreement and even pressured Ukraine to incentivize U.S. oil and gas exploration by U.S. companies. But Secretary Perry did not mention U.S. renewable energy technology. Nothing to talk about there, I guess. Apparently not. Well, you can fool some of the people some of the time, but apparently you can fool Rick Perry all of the time. Most people who see the melting Arctic firsthand respond with alarm, but not Republican Congressman Lamar Smith of Texas, a climate science denier who is chairman of the House Science Committee. After recently touring the melting Arctic, Smith wrote an op-ed urging the public to focus on what he called the benefits of global warming, like the opening up of new shipping lanes in the Arctic and the expansion of oil and gas extraction. Good God. But the U.S. Coast Guard does not agree. At a recent symposium on impacts of climate change, the commandant of the Coast Guard, Admiral Paul Zukunf, said, again, the United States does not have the infrastructure to deal with an oil spill or increased shipping in the pristine Arctic. But I can assure you that if there is an oil spill, we're not going to recover all that oil because we don't have 
the infrastructure up there. More importantly, he said, the Coast Guard is planning long-term measures to protect and adapt Coast Guard facilities and infrastructure to rising seas, caused by the man-made global warming that Representative Smith calls a hoax. How much is sea level going to rise by the end of this century? Uh, I'm using a planning factor of six feet. Two meters. We as a service better be ready for that because our motto is indeed Semper Paratus. Well, no wonder the Coast Guard is the one branch of the military that Donald Trump wants to actually cut funding for. Meanwhile, the city of Rome is facing water rationing amid the driest spring in 60 years. Italy's rainfall in 2017 is 80% below normal, and officials are weighing emergency measures in Rome like water rationing and temporarily shutting off the capital's famous fountains. But some good news in China, a solar panel farm that was designed to resemble a panda bear in order to appeal to and educate schoolchildren about solar energy has proved to be so popular that Chinese officials are planning to build at least a hundred more. In Florida, the city council of South Miami has voted to upgrade its building codes to require solar panels on all new homes. That's thanks to the efforts of a local teenage girl who helped write the ordinance. And finally, two counties and a city located on the coast of California have filed lawsuits against the world's 37 largest fossil fuel companies, alleging that the fossil fuel companies knew that their product would cause dangerous climate change, like rising seas, and lied to the public about it. They're seeking damages to address the impact that rising seas will have on billions of dollars worth of coastal property and infrastructure. Sell your stocks in oil companies now. Just saying. For much more on all of those stories and and the many we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Don't forget, you can download our reports anytime via Stitcher, TuneIn, or iTunes. Find us, follow us, and share us worldwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. We are all holding on. (laughs) We are all holding on. Indeed we are. The tide is high, and it keeps getting higher. But we can uh, Both figuratively and literally. You're right. Uh, But we can uh, breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief for at least an hour or two, and I suspect... The fights on all fronts will continue, but uh, I could use a good night's rest. So we're going to go get that. My thanks to uh, my producer, Desi Doyen, to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It's greatly appreciated all. If you missed any portion of today's or any other show, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com or at your favorite podcast sites like iTunes or wherever. Hope you'll give us a good review when you do that. So uh, make it easier for everyone else to find us as well. You can drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And please find, follow, and share us worldwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at The Brad Blog. Finally, my thanks to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help us uh, keep some uh, gas in our Prius tank and uh, keep up the good fight over your public airwaves. Whatever you can do is greatly appreciated. All right. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.